That was not my best clap. It's okay. It does not need to be. Yeah, I sort of, I slightly missed my hand with the other hand. Just so we're clear, now the intro, after the complaint last week that it was a weak intro, is going to be about you having the weak clap. Yes. (laughs) You've got a case of weak (laughs) clap. Yeah. Let's not let's not call it that. Should we should we at one point measure our claps to see like get some yeah. sort of like audio device that can measure the sound each clap can produce? Mm, I do not want to measure claps. I think we should <laughs> not be measuring clap at all. I didn't even know you could have no. weak clap. That's a new one yeah, for me. No. Well, I mean, you, having weak clap implies that you can also have strong clap. So you know, there's something to, to shoot for. No, as a goal. I, no, I, I, don't, want any, Wait, so I don't really Richard, want any kind of clap. You're shooting for the strong clap? Because I feel like the weak... If I have to have a clap of some kind, why not have the strongest? Mm. I I don't know. That's an interesting position to take. Go big or go home. You know, it's the American way. And bigger is better in all things. Wow, okay. Hey, welcome back to Even More Mashed Up. We are the pop culture podcast where two professors talk about, well... All things pop culture. I'm Alan. And I'm Patrick. And I just like to say that if there are any wealthy businessmen that would like to sponsor this podcast and pay us around twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars for an episode, uh-huh. we will overlook any crimes you may or may not have committed. The the truth of the matter is, if you have committed a crime, we are very unlikely to figure it out. That is also true. That is not the purpose of this podcast. No, no. I, <laughs> the chances of us actually bringing any kind of disrepute very low. Exactly. Exactly. You know well, disrepute because of crimes you may have committed. I'm not yeah, sure. You may yeah, or may really. not want the name of your business associated with us for other reasons. But oh, man, yeah. Like I, I don't know. Like I don't really want a sandwich meat sponsoring our show. Ooh, but what if it was like a tofu vegan? Like, uh, I mean, there's got to be good sandwich meat. Like, again, like, like tofu a veg- options like a there. vegan yeah. sandwich joint. Like, like if a, Eden wanted to sponsor us. That's right. Or tofurkey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because tofurkey makes... Saying. Well, tofurkey makes a lot of different kinds of fake meats. Now that's, and, well, they're, so, and they're a pretty well-established brand, so they've probably got the money. Well, I, I feel Even like they... more they've, mashed up. Brought to you by you know, tofurkey. No, they, yeah, they've got to they've have, you know, you know, money for, like, the small groups and the big groups and everyone in all between. Mm-hmm. Right. Tofurky presents even more mashed up. That I, rolls right off the tongue. It does. Doesn't it? We should add that irregardless if they sponsor us or not. Mm. <laughs> Do you think if we did that for a while they would just have to pay us because we had been doing free like, like advertising? Fake it to them? make it, you know? If, yeah, they'd have yeah, to pay just, us or they could sue us. I'm not sure which it is. Either way, they're spending money, so why not pay us? Is, is Tofurky right. an actual brand? It is an actual brand. I assumed it was yes. based on the way yeah, you guys okay. are talking. Yeah, so they, they okay. I actually bought some uh, some tofurkey ham recently, like thin sliced and put it in a sandwich, and it was really good. Wait, wait, wait. Then it's not. It's that's not tofurkey. That's tofam. But it's to. But it well, is the tofam for the tofurkey. I, I hear what you're saying, but it, it's the tofurkey is the brand. Right. I don't know. I thought tofurkey was the thing as well. Like a tofu turkey is a tofurkey, so a tofu ham would be a tofam. No, I, I understand that. And a tofu, you know, um, what else would there be? Salami would yeah, be see, it tofami. Helps if you have these, uh, to, uh, or a tofalami. That seems too long. I just like tofami. It is. Tofami's not bad. Yeah. I'll- it's got to be a synonym of syllables, otherwise it's not going to yeah. sell. How about tofif? Uh, tofif. You're adding beef. syllables to what Wait, try to, that, that's Try tof- to make one for beef. bratwurst, and you find yourself in a lot of trouble. Mm. Tofirst. Tofirst, yeah. Tofratwurst? Yeah. See, he's trying to make a tofartwurst joke there, is what he's trying oh. to do. Saying like it's and, hard to do. Uh, I'm just saying it's hard to do. Yeah. No, I just did it till first. That doesn't. Though to be fair, though, when you say that, I don't think of bratwurst. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no, you shouldn't be thinking exactly. of bratwurst because it's not bratwurst. It's tofu bratwurst or till first. Yeah, that, no, it mm. sounds more like your toe goes first. It doesn't work. I don't think. No, they yeah. they, they all well, like kind a of nonsense sound like that. would. Mm. But this is clearly a terrific <laughs> introduction. Like if 
if the intro was no good, this is great because clearly we're talking about only in the murder, only murders in the building today, right? Yes, yes, the hit show on the Hulu. It's a show about making a podcast, which feels like quite fitting for us. Yes, yes, we are in a sense like Charles and uh, Oliver, which so raises the question: Does in which fact of us raise is the question. Charles and which of us is the Oliver? Wait, that's a that's a hard one. I feel like Oliver has a oh boy, I don't know how to say this. Um, I'm going to let that one go. Who do you think is who, Patrick? Oh, you're clearly the Charles and I'm clearly the Oliver. Why so? Because, uh, I mean, clearly, like, Oliver's background in the theater is you. Yes. And he does have a very kind of hands-on bossiness. Like, everything has to be just right with him. which Which is very you. Well, I wouldn't say so. You just said Oliver was you. Right, mainly because of the musical thing. Yeah, but you have a fussiness to you, too, that I think could be Oliver. Okay, Charles is the fussy one, not Oliver. Oliver's very fussy Charles about how the podcast the one- comes together, and he's very bossy, and he's he's always telling Charles what to do or say. I feel like that's you. Uh, I just wait, kind of follow uh, your minute, orders on minute, this wait show. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, come on. It's 100% true. That is such a lie. I am constantly scheduling my viewing schedule around your programming. Really? Have you watched Book of Boba Fett? No, but I watched Hawkeye. Have you watched Peacemaker? No, because you told me not to. We're going to do a special podcast where I don't Uh watch those. I told you not to because you you have so far refused to watch them. So it does sound like you said not to. That's the most important thing. I didn't tell you not to. I just gave in to your your ultimate refusal to watch them. It would be much easier to talk about them if you had actually watched them. But given that you have not watched them, I came up with a solution, which doesn't feel like me imposing my will so much as me having to work around yours. This is how I get gaslit all the time into talking about Hawkeye. Oh, for God's sake. Gaslit. (laughs) So I have you a different question. Gaslit. <laughs> I have a different question for you, which you're not going to like okay. any better. When they take our podcast oh and they turn it into a show, who is mm-hmm. going to play us in the show? Like, who would you Ooh, cast well, as I know who Rich? You, I know who. I know who you're going to want to cast as me. I don't have any idea for you. I'm just wondering what you would think for Rich. Really. Yeah. In all the years of saying that I'm Danny DeVito and or um Nope. Who's the other one? I don't know. Not a suggestion in the in the anywhere in my brain. Well, I mean that's the thing. I I, I don't know they could do a show about the three of us because that's that's a very male centric show. So we may have to gender flip a okay. character. All right. And so if you and I are the Charles, that means Rich becomes the Mabel. Okay, so eh, that's all right. Who would we gender flip that. to rich? Hmm. It complicates an already complicated. I'd say Amy Poehler. That's not bad. Yeah, it could that could possibly work. Yep, I could see that working. Yep. I mean, she yep. definitely have to dye her hair. That yeah, just depends. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't, you know, depends what level of, of reality we're looking for. Rich, could you get Amy on the show next week so we could have her on and just kind of like see yeah. how she does playing you? Yeah. Or oh, so, could you contact her? So not even her? as an interview guest, but you want her to basically audition for the Yeah, I don't know. She doesn't need she to audition. Run the She's got the part. Yeah. Could you, just, <laughs> could you just ask her for her availability in terms of replacing you? For yeah. life in general, like not even well, as no, a just, show. Just we for the show. Give up all yeah. your success. Oh. Just for the show. Just for the show. You know what? I I bet I bet <laughs> Amy Poehler knows. Success to be me. I bet Amy Poehler knows not to set her microphone right up next to a fan. Mm. No, no, I plugged the wrong one in. So even yeah. I didn't even use the right microphone to begin with. Sad. Just digging yourself a deeper hole there. Hey, I've so, got some fun facts. Oh, I had still a couple more questions. 
If I could, I just dig no, in no. a little bit more, and then we can do your fun facts. Oh, I guess. So, what would the mystery about would us be, I would be. Uh, uh, how we ever got a show? Fair point. Then finally, we need a nickname for our diehard fans. Uh, mashers. So when they start sitting outside in the parking lot at Mercy Hall, you think mashers? It's not bad. Mashers. Ash Duppers. Yeah, that's that's it. Mashers has a nice uh, has a nicer uh, smoothness to it. Do you think so? Yes. Okay. And finally, what podcast are you listening to at present? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, when you listen to podcasts, what do you listen to? Are oh, you I'm a true crime guy? The, uh, no, I'm listening to the uh, Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast on Excalibur. Oh, the one that you were on. Yeah, but I've been listening to the episodes before. <laughs> yeah. do, do, you do you listen to anything? Do you listen to anything you've not participated in? Um... Well, I don't even listen to everything that I have participated in, so. Because you don't listen to our show. I was about to say, because you exactly. clearly listen to our show exactly. every single episode. That's yeah. the point. Before yep. it's even all, released. All 170 episodes, I've committed them to memory. Yep. And yet, when we talk about them, you don't remember them. It's a funny thing. I didn't thing. say I committed them to memory well. I just said I committed them to memory. Well, yeah. Yep. I don't think you know what that phrase means, <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. Like copying the Mona Lisa with a crayon. Exactly. I guess we should go to some fun facts. Here we go. All right. I've got fun facts, and then I've got a you fun have fact follow-up. <gasps> a follow-up? Yes. Ugh. A fun Ugh. fact follow-up. It can't be good. I don't good. like alliteration. Well, I can't uh, complain I about alliteration. I think, I think you'll like this one. Mm. So, according to Parrot Analytics, which I got this via Vulture Magazine, they apparently track... Okay. Um, uh, demand for streaming shows. Okay. So only murders in the building, and so they've got a baseline of what like an average the demand for an average streaming show is. Okay. So only murders in the building went from having sixteen times the audience demand. Okay. Of an average U.S. show when it debuted. Uh-huh. No idea what that to means. Third. To, well, it means that, that given the average demand for a U.S. TV show, the demand for this show is 16 times that number. Okay, but quick, quick question. That that much I understand, yes. but what's the okay. average demand? Like, what what is... I don't know. They did not quantify that. Yeah, is that like one person? No. Because there's, so, the much, the there's finale, so much on, it just seems like that number would be really low. But anyway, go on. Yes. But when it, by the time it got to the finale, it was at 37 times the demand of the average show. Okay. So it picked up steam. Yes. It's a bigger number. Yes. Which brings up the question about (laughs) the show resonating so much with people is what is it about only murders in the building that made it such an in-demand show, one that significantly grew its audience over time? Right. That seems like a reasonable question to ask. Which I just asked. Oh, you want me to answer and it? A, and thus, and thus a yeah. wait and answer, yes. yes. So, I thought it was one of those, you know, questions you already had the answer to. I do not right. have an answer. I have thoughts, but I do not have an answer. But I was mainly bringing it up to, to, to. That feels like it's spinning out of fun facts, though, and into. It is. It's a fun fact follow-up. Oh, so are we done with the fun facts? Yes. Oh, Yay. this is the best fun facts ever. Yeah. All right, I, thought, well, let see, me I thought you would like the fun fact follow-up. I would like to to raise your fun fact follow-up with a fair foul. I would like you to just answer my question. I'm going to with a fair or foul. But that's someone else's answer. That's not your answer. But it will be one that gets well, us to our answer. What if answer? <sighs> Constance Grady. No, it's great. Uh This is it. It leads exactly where I wanted to go, but I wanted to use a fair Uh or foul to kick off the conversation. Oh, well, it leads exactly where you wanted to go. That's fine then. Yes, yes. Let's go to exactly where you wanted to go. I by answering your question, which is where you wanted to go. My want Mm -hmm. to go is subsidiary to your want to go. I don't think it is. Feels like you are co-opting my wanting to go. 
Boy, somebody is a cranky guy today. Yep, somebody is. So Constance Grady in Vox wrote, yes. um, Uh-oh. what I can tell you about this show is that the vibes are immaculate. Yes. And for me, so that I'm not doing anything outside what I'm supposed to, I would say, I thought that was really fair that the, that the mm. show really is more about the vibes than anything mm. else. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like the jokes tend to lean on tired boomer versus millennial gags. Uh, oh, for goodness sake, The occasional yeah. stabs at formula breaking are more notable for their laudable ambition than for their uneven execution. So you read Things the same like review. That. You read the same review. Yes. Yes, I yeah. did. Had the exact same quote as one of my fairer fouls. Yes. <laughs> and so I think I think it's like so. Yeah. I think that's pretty spot on. Like it's not. It's not the best plotted show you're ever going to read. You know, it does sometimes rely on certain kinds of humor, but there is a a kind of vibe to it that I just it, it was the kind of show I could watch and not have mm-hmm. to like I could kind of turn my brain off for it. Mm-hmm. You could just watch Steve Martin and Martin Short work together and they're just funny guys and I appreciated mm-hmm. yeah. that they didn't lean too much into their like wild and crazy kind of Ed Grimley kind of personas. They could be funny. Oh, yeah, but, that would have been you know, bad. It could make it a little more nuanced. And in that way, you know, it's it's I think it's why I liked it so much. It, it wasn't great television, but it was fun, entertaining stuff. And it, it felt very escapist to me. So that would be my answer hmm. is that it had an escapism okay. And a nostalgia um, in the the old actors that really pulled people in. Do you have a better theory? I don't know if it's a better theory. I have a different theory. All right, let's hear it. Well, I think in terms of, I mean, some I, I agree with you that it is a very kind of of escapist show, and and you know, just kind of something to to um, you know, watch and not really have to think about much. But I also think about you know it as within the genre of detective fiction. Ah, yeah, um, make it a little more scholarly. And particularly, sort of, and particularly sort of classic detective fiction or kind of the golden age of detective fiction in the early 20th century with Agatha Christie and, and writers like that. Um, you know, they kind of feed a need in people for a world that seems to make sense. You know, those, those stories sort of tell us that... Someone blowing their nose. Yeah. Alan, is that you? I don't hear anything. I was a whole bunch of like someone blowing their nose over the. Uh... Oh, like scraping something, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I so I wasn't really saying that. No, Rich heard it too. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah. both Rich know. and I heard it. I don't know. Yeah, you just climbed Three. up on my lap. Maybe that was it. Oh, that was probably it. it was probably yeah, you climbing up on your lap. It's hard to tell. I don't hear anything else. But I've also got my headphones on, so maybe there's something going on outside that I can't hear. Mm, Possible. Possible. Like, yeah, you climbing up into your lap. Hmm. Anyway. So so in kind of the way that that detective fiction fiction sort of, of reassures us that there's a kind of logic and order to the world, that it can be figured out, that sort of thing. Uh, I think the show might be kind of tapping into a, a need for that heading into year three of the pandemic and, and everything else that's going on. That makes sense. There's a certain kind of out and about in the city that that feels very anachronistic in some ways, given the pandemic. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, none of them, none of them were wearing masks. Yeah. The show is not particularly like realistic in the way you're talking about. But I think I can see that mm. for sure, that people are watching it and it just, it feels very comfortable because you know they're going to figure it out by the end. And then you know there's going to be a twist and they've got to do a season two. Yeah. So that was one of the things I, I, I didn't really like about the show was uh-huh. the way in which you had sort of the opening little teaser that ends up being the teaser for actually the next season which yeah. kind of it had the effect of kind of making this season feel like it was all kind of set up for whatever's happening next season. 
Well, that's interesting. I know I didn't have that feel, although, you know, like I'm not a big flashbacky kind of guy, but I, I, I see that, but it, it didn't feel that way to me. But then again, I just, I liked that I could come home from work and just turn off the brain. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely sort of, uh, I think provided that. Yeah. As I was putting together like comments for the show, I realized I only had so much to say about the show. Hmm. Because there's only so much that goes on in the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's, I think there's, there's, there's a lot that goes on in the show, but in some ways I felt it was a little bit overstuffed. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, so when I say there's not a lot that goes on, I just like, there's not a lot to, that I found particularly demanding of conversation but yeah i mean it is mm. in in some ways it's probably a little overstuffed if you wanted to criticize it mm. yeah so do you have a particular topic you'd like to start with or um well what i mean in terms of of since it's a, a sort of detective true crime sort of thing what did you make of of the ultimate uh, revelation of who was the murderer. Oh, and spoilers ahead. Oh, um, the the premise of the show might be spoiled right here. Yes. <laughs> you know, for my for my tastes, it was a little twisty in getting there, but I know that's part of the genre, and so you kind of have mm. to go around. You know, I'll take all the false leads and kind of, I you know, I thought it was a fine kind of resolution the way in which um nathan lane and his character get built into it i thought was um interesting and somewhat surprising should i be oh, thinking about I'm, it more in terms of like disability and that kind of thing oh no i that wasn't that wasn't the the revelation i meant i meant the who was the ultimate murderer in the show Oh, um, yeah, like, like Vicky kind of like that because Nathan because that because well, Nathan that, that was an actual being a red herring, but it was an actual murder. Well, but it, it didn't look it looked like an accident to me. I don't it didn't seem to me like he pushed the girl over the edge. It looks like they were just struggling and she lost her balance. Well, I know somebody did 10 years in the clink for it, man. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> like, um. I mean, that'd be still like what manslaughter. You were still kind of responsible for killing the person, even if you I didn't feel like actively plan I, it out. I agree with Rich. I feel like there is some kind of crime involved there. I mean, obviously mm. they put somebody in jail for having done it, but um, well, yeah, but that's that's because they thought that uh, what was it Oscar? I think was the guy's name. They yeah. thought he actually pushed her off. I thought. Yeah, but as opposed with, to just having her accidentally fall with no know. evidence whatsoever. Anyway, but. We're probably getting distracted. I don't know. I found the way in which they disguised her crime to be a little over the top. Like it's it's hmm. so that she kind of stabs herself. Yeah. To create the impression that it wasn't her was it felt a little overwritten to me. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How did you feel? About yeah, I it? just. I, I I was mixed on it for two reasons. One is that, um, you know, particularly as we got, you know, later and later into the series, I, I kind of figured out it was her just by the fact that um, she was one of the five actors identified in the opening credits. Oh, um, so you're using meta clues. And, well, and, and particularly that, that she's listed as a... She's listed in the credits for the very first episode. And if memory serves, she doesn't actually appear until the second episode. Um, At least, so I was like, yeah. well, why would they have her credited for credited for the first? And I was like, mm, that means she was involved in the first. Which So there was that. And then the other thing I didn't really like that it kind of fell into a very kind of gendered trap of, you know, oh, she's killing people because she got dumped by a guy. Yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't that, like that. Uh, the motivation felt very kind of stereotypical and and not great. I yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to where I started. Where I, you know, I wouldn't say it was like the best written show that I've yeah. that I've watched. That that was not the reason to watch it. But yeah, I, I mean, 
That's fair enough, I suppose, that it was kind of the classic, you know, woman scorned. Yeah, it felt like that was a little... I was a little disappointed that they didn't come up with something more um, original than that. Yeah, or less stereotypical. Yeah. And, you know, I the scene where she tries to poison Charles Hayden is... Uh, I thought it would be funnier somehow. Yeah. Just thought it would be funnier. And it just, I don't, you know, but yeah. again, I thought the show was better in kind of building in the middle. And then at the end was not a letdown, but it didn't keep building in some ways. Yeah. Well, and it built in, you know, like the introduction of uh, Jane Lynch's uh, Zaz character. Right. I thought that was completely like there there has to be another way that you can get Charles to go to um Chan's concert rather than having to bring in like this whole other character like that just seemed really kind of random and and um not not terribly it didn't fit into the show and kind of took me out of the show for a bit because that felt really forced. Well, the casting of of Jane Lynch in general I did did that for me. There were moments in the show where I felt like Yeah. They they wanted to have certain guest stars on the show. Mm. And it just So besides it, it, Jane Lynch, who else was that for you? Well, you know, initially I felt that way about Nathan Lane, although like it changed okay. as time kind of passed. But I guess it would mm-hmm. by the way, was Zaz the name of the Gotham murderer? Yes. That's the okay. guy that the serial killer that kills people and then uh, carves tally marks into his body to keep track of them. Ah, there you go. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. In the comics, yeah, so, I don't know if he actually did that in Gotham. In Gotham, he was just kind of of creepy, stereotypical serial killer dude. I don't know if he yeah, actually. Yeah, in like the video games, that's kind of what the, he comes off as. Is just like I'm like a villain that's a serial killer, and then I think that's it. No, in the video games, if you're talking about the Arkham series, he actually does carve the the numbers into himself. Does he? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Okay, maybe so, I just missed that thought. Well, you don't like talking about video games? <laughs> I was going to say, it was an interesting, it was an interesting transition. You know, so actually the Sting worked pretty well. The, uh, like, Tina Fey. Yeah, that was funny when, like, Sting, when Sting actually showed up. I was like, that, yeah. was, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I didn't need the Tina Fey. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I thought the Teen Fey. Well, and that Again. was another moment where, because we see her doing the podcast that's actually going to be based on what happens next season. Um, you know, when when we see her doing only murderers in the building. Right. Again, that's gesturing towards next season. So that was another thing that I was like, you know, they 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 see. I'm wondering what what they've got planned for the second season because they really, yeah, foreshadowed a lot of it. Yeah, or foreshadowed it a lot, I should say. For sure. Agreed. Agreed. But there are just moments where I felt like the casting kind of overtook the show. Yeah, which has me worried because they've already announced a number of the people that are going to be appearing in season two. Yeah. And they've got Cara Delevingne, Michael Rapaport, Shirley MacLaine, and Amy Schumer are all joining the cast, which I'm worried, you know... If this season was was a little too heavy-handed with the casting, I'm a, I'm a little yeah. bit concerned what that bodes for next season. Well, for me, it's like if, if they can maintain the vibe of the three, it'll be okay. But but yeah, I mean, this is not like high art achievement in some ways. Hmm. Speaking of which, could we on talk the plus about? Side, Mar- oh, sorry. Oh, could we talk about Martin Short, or do you have something else to say on the plus side? Oh, I was going to say on the plus side that, you know, since they are, since so much of this series was framed by what's happening in season two, my hope at the very least is it means they've got a really good story for season two. Because you got to think that, that, you know, like a lot of shows have a really good first season and then have to figure something out for season two because of that success. It seems like, at least I'm hoping that that only murders in the building has a, um a good idea for the second season because it seems like they've already thought about it, figured it out. I, I yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Because well, there's, only, think there's only so out. many, 
there's only so many murders that can happen in the same building before the premise of the show starts to see a, seem a little bit twist. Uh, uh, you uh, say that, but you know, season twelve, <laughs> twelve dead bodies. Well, yeah. there's still wait. what Stranger Things four is about to come, right? So, mm. yeah, but they, know... they've announced that they're ending with Stranger Things five. But they should have stopped with oh. number one, right? Is the problem so? Well, they'll end with five, and then the spinoffs happen. Oh boy! Oh, did they say they're going to be spinoffs? Well, let's wait. Let's see how much oh, okay. money season five makes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. Is that, you know, it does good enough. They're going to keep going until it doesn't. I feel like it's show. not doing as well as it used to. But maybe it, that's just my mm. growing cynicism yeah, about well, the like, show. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, so that, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe it avoids, only murders avoids the sophomore slump just because it seems like there was a lot of building towards that story in right. season one. Yes. Yes. So hey, how about that uh, Martin Short? Anybody? No. What I mean, I've, I've to be honest, I'm not the biggest Martin Short fan. Um, oh, I had I have Martin I, Short I, I, fan questions for you. Oh Ooh. yeah, no, I'm not. Well, I'm not a Martin them. Short fan, but you can go ahead and go ahead and, and ask your questions. So according to TCM.com, and I quote. Turner Classic Movies? Uh, I don't know. Yes, exactly that. Short's appearance on SNL back in the mid-80s. I think he debuted in like 84, if I remember correctly. Short's appearance on Saturday Night Live helped to revive the show's fan base, which had flagged after the departure of Eddie Murphy and in turn would launch his successful career in films and television. Now, I watched Saturday Night Live in the mid-1980s. I remember some of the Martin Short bits. I wouldn't have thought of him as the guy that was reviving the the, the franchise. How about you? I, yeah, I, I would say that I didn't, I don't really, didn't and don't really watch Saturday Night Live on a on a regular basis. But I mean, the only thing I really remember is, is you already mentioned his uh, what is it, Grimley? What's the character's name? The- Ed Grimley. Ed Grimley, yeah, like that's yep. the only that's the only character I remember, and and not one that I really remember all that fondly. Yeah, I so I went and I typed into the Google, you know, best SNL Martin Short characters, and uh-huh. Ed Grimley was the only one that I recognized. Yeah, mm. I mean that's, that's the only one I can think of. Well, apparently he did impressions of Jerry Lewis and Catherine Hepburn, which sound vaguely familiar to me. Okay. And there was one where he did a synchronized swimming routine. Oh, I do remember that. I yeah. do remember the synchronized swimming one. But, yeah. you know, I, I watched funny, some, Saturday, yeah, some Saturday Night Live in the 80s. I, like, I don't remember that as being like a real peak time. Yeah, no, well, and, and to be honest, you know, I think Steve Martin's kind of humor is much more my speed than Martin Short's. Really? In what way? I ah. Uh... Oh, you seem to connect with him a bit more, like as a sort of everyman kind of. With Steve Martin as an everyman. Yeah, kind of like. Huh. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like Martin, he, he, I, Martin he, he... is probably a bit more cerebral than Martin Short. I would say. <laughs> so you like, like your Mar- comedians cerebral? Is that really all that surprising? No, no. Yeah, yeah. So sh- short is a he's a he's a lot of shtick is sort of what his comedy is, and I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest fan of shtick. Right. Although Steve Martin did kind of build his career on King Tut. He did, but I, I kind of of you know I like the I like the the post SNL Steve Martin more than the SNL Steve Martin. Well, he certainly built a more um, varied. And probably nuanced mm-hmm. career than Martin Short yeah. would be fair to say. So yeah, would you, maybe that's a better. Way. Yeah, yeah. Would you disagree with Mike Hale then from the New York Times? Here's what he writes about Martin Short. Short gives a master class in only murders in the building. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it's not a class in acting or comedy, so much as a seminar in agelessness and professionalism. 
and in short's unmatched ability to turn self-absorption self-absorption into a virtue hmm interesting because when I think about the show, I think that, you know, some of the material takes some of the life out of what's otherwise a slight but charming comedy and doesn't do any favors to Martin, whose performance is a little dour and closed off, or to Gomez, who looks uncomfortable and occasionally terrified. So perhaps we should have, uh, we should have, like, split reviews before we came. Possibly. Before we came to the I've, got, I've, got, I've got four of them and so far you've got come up with two. Uh-oh. So yeah, uh, what 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 was what was the gist of Hale on on short? So um that it was a masterclass not in its acting or its comedy, but because it was a seminar in agelessness and professionalism and his ability to turn self-absorption into a virtue. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'll give him, I guess I'll give him credit for at least that last part in that he does take, particularly at the beginning of the series, what what is a fairly self-absorbed and largely unsympathetic character and does make us sympathetic to him. Yes, although that's, a, that's kind of a very well-tread path. It is. It is. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. that. Well, as you were saying, I don't know that there's anything terribly new in old, Only Murders in the Building. No, I I, I agree. Um, I found Martin Short yeah. kind of charming. I, I, obviously, you have a strong disinclination towards the guy. Yeah, I mean, I still, I found a certain charm towards him. Um, okay. Okay. But there's, I mean, you know, when when you, when you're having Martin Short, you're you're you kind of know what you're getting, and so even a muted Martin Short performance still has kind of of Martin Short elements to it. Um, so but, Martin but yeah, I thought, Short, I thought he was, I thought, I thought he was fine. Is always there in Martin Short. Okay, well, how about Selena Gomez? Since you just mentioned her in kind of the review, mm-hmm. that, that she looked a little nervous. Well, she's Which, actually admitted that she was really nervous. Yes, um, I, I, think, I saw uh, that there as was well. An interview where she was really, um, I think, because working with with Steve Martin and Martin Short would make anyone nervous because you know they're they're such um, well institutions. I I feel uh, as if working I mean, with Martin Short would not make you nervous. I think you'd be like you know whatever. I may as well be doing a show. You know, no, I'd a, still be I'd I'd still be nervous to be working with Martin Short. Would you? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, there was something that um, I don't know. There was, and I don't, I don't know what to attribute it to if it's the interpretation of the character, but there was a kind of stiffness to um how Selena Gomez portrayed Mabel that was that wasn't entirely inconsistent with the character. Right. Agreed. Um, and so it was hard for me to tell. I was like, is that the character or is that some of her own nervousness that that she's sort of admitted to kind of of coming through. But yeah, it was kind of right. it was interesting in that there were times where I was like, I can't tell if if she's acting or if that's just kind of or if that's just something more natural to herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it did it did generally work for the character. So but it was it was kind of of. Um, yeah, there were moments where I was like, is that the character or is that more her? Yeah. Bleeding through. It's not a good question, you know, to have to ask. So I assume you read her interview in the L.A. Times then since we've read everything. Same. Thus far. I did not. Okay, I excellent. did not read her interview in the LA well, Times. They asked her about preparing to play Mabel. And here's what she said. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious your kind of response. Quote, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's not at all oh. like Mabel, but she wants to oh. solve the crime, understand what's going on, and she's a badass. I felt that Mabel was a bit like that. But I didn't do too much in the way of preparing. Uneasy laugh. That's kind of nerve-wracking now that I think about it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, 
number one, I don't I don't know how much there is to prepare for Mabel. I mean, she's what? Uh, what did she say? She's twenty eight. Yeah. Um, in the episode, which I think when Selena Gomez, you know, um, when this was filmed, I think she was like around twenty seven, twenty eight. So she's right about the same age. Um, living in New York. So I, yeah, I, I don't know that there's. Um, there would necessarily be a lot to prepare for um, in terms of the role. Right. It's not no. like she's doing like a, a massively different character. Oh, I agree with that. I'm kind of curious about, I'm sure you were a big Buffy fan. Yes. Well, uh, I actually came to Buffy late. I was an Angel fan first and then and then got into Buffy. But just I, I so being kind of a Buffy fan, I was interested in the the comparison between Buffy and Mabel. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see some of it in the sense of you know, Mabel has her group of of the Hardy Boys versus Buffy's sort of group of Scoobies, right? Um, so there's there's some similarities there, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know that I see. A lot of it. Um, I guess maybe because one of the things that stood out to me, I think it was in the very first episode when Mabel's walking down uh, a street in New York, and I can't remember if she gets catcalled or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I can't remember what her response to it was, but I just remember watching. I was like, "Yep, that's what it's like to be a woman these days." Um, and so I think there there's some maybe overlap with that in terms of I mean because obviously Buffy was about kind of using you know demons and vampires and whatnot as metaphors for um, kind of of adolescence, and so there might be kind of of an overlap in the sense that there there were elements of Mabel that I think speak to or or could be interpreted as speaking to uh, some of the things women face today. Okay, interesting. So I think there's, I think there's, there's, there's some similarities there, but I, I would say by and large they're pretty limited. Mabel doesn't jump out to me as as a Buffy, except for that that they both have names that people generally don't name their their daughters anymore. That's a fair point, but hmm. probably not what she was shooting for. I've got a bigger question yeah. for you about um, Selena Gomez. On a scale okay. of one to ten, what was your fandom for Wizards of Waverly Place? Uh, I guess like a one in that I've heard the title, but never actually watched the show. Never? Like not even, not a, not a single frame? Yeah, never have watched it. Which I guess yeah. this was like her first TV show since Wizards of Waverly Place. Right, right. And, you know, Vicky and Hope have very fond memories of Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah, I've, I, I think I vaguely recall... Hope in particular mentioning it at one point, but that that's yeah. about as far as it goes. I thought it was fine, but I thought other Disney Channel shows had better supporting casts. Well, you were a big Zack and Cody fan, as I recall. Uh, Zack and Cody? Is it The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? Oh, The Sweet Life, yeah. Now, I, I put together a list of my favorite Disney Channel TV shows. Oh, good and lord. I, thought we should talk about those briefly, right? So how would you rank your favorite Disney oh tween TV shows? Okay, they're all going to... I don't watch any of them, so they're all going to be like ones. How's that? Okay, so clearly... any of them? Clearly the best of the Disney Channel stuff was Good Luck Charlie. Never watched it. No, no, that is. Oh, so good. And then I, I don't even have anything in second place. So good. Then, like, you work your way down the list. Like, Wizards of Waverly Place is pretty high because then you got, like, Hannah Montana. Never watched it. Sweet Life on Deck, which was better than Sweet Life. Never watched it. Mm, Jesse was not particularly good. Yeah, glad I I probably have Live and Maddie Too Low. Austin and Allie. Never heard of that. Sweet Life. All right, well, that was... These shows all have a very similar similar titling uh, pattern. They do. They do. It, it's almost as if Disney is a corporation. It's Disney. <laughs> it's just churning yeah. out like product as opposed to art. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird to see them, you know, churn out that kind of prepackaged material when they have such innovative things coming out of the MCU. Exactly. It's hard to imagine yeah. that a corporation 
that's making the high art of Disney Plus superhero shows and MCU movies can't do yep. better for the tweens. It's hard to yep, it's hard to so. how do you put that puzzle together? Like that's a mystery. Yeah. I'm I'm sure scholars will wrestle with that a hundred years from now. Yeah. How could one company produce such disparate mm-hmm. air? Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about Steve Martin. I thought he was good in this, but not better than Martin Short. Yeah, I mean, oh, he was definitely better than uh-huh. Martin Short. Yeah. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely better. Mm, I feel like you've got a bias against Martin Short. That is entirely true, but because of that, he's better. Do you not like short guys? Well, then I would turn into a kind of self-loathing, self-loathing person, so I don't want to say that. Um, no, because you've yeah, clearly no, demonstrated just, repeatedly that you have no self-loathing. No, no, I'm very high on myself. Oh, no, your um, self-esteem is through the roof. Yep, yep, incredible, definitely. Incredible, incredible um, self-confidence. yep that's me. Devil may care uh, attitude, yeah, no, taking I, the I, world I, by storm. I like Steve Martin. Again, you know, it's it's not a show that's really asking a lot from him in terms of... of the performance, right. but again, you know, I mean, yeah. Steve Martin does what Steve Martin does, and and I enjoy it, so it's fine. Yeah, fair enough. You know what? I, what I what I got to thinking about is that Amy Ryan has put together a career where she's gotten to play the love interest of both Steve Martin mm-hmm. and Steve Carell. That's true. And like, I just to imagine like how successful you would feel. If you've played like that kind of position in a show with both of those like comedic geniuses, it's a pretty career. She's put to, pretty good career. She's put together. Yeah, I mean, she's worked with she's worked with some yeah she's worked with some really good people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what do you got? What else do you have? Like, I'm down to only oh. a couple of fair or fouls at this point. Uh, no, well, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, the boy in 6B episode. The okay. one that's told from from Theo's vantage point and kind of yes. thinking about um, the this show's representation of disability and sort of what it tried to do yeah. um, with that. I found really interesting. I mean, for, for the... Uh, the book project that I'm working on right now on George Perez, obviously Perez, um, one of the creators of Cyborg from the the New Teen Titans, and there's a lot of discussion of Cyborg in relationship to disability studies. Sure. Um, and so some of that, and I was reading some of that while watching Only Murders in the Building, and, and so um, the, the episode that's told from Theo's vantage point... Um, I thought was was really interesting. No, I I agree with that. Um, in many ways, it the the relationship that he had with his father was I thought actually had mm-hmm. some nuance and complexity in it. Yeah. Um, there were moments though, like what put me off that episode a little bit was the way in which I don't know how to say this, and I I don't mean to say it the wrong way. But the way in which his disability was kind of weaponized and it became kind of like the superpower that that allowed mm. him to kind of unlock things and walk through the show in a way that like I, I don't mm. know how I f- quite feel about that, honestly. Hmm. But in particular, like his ability to read lips, right? And to like pull out yeah. a pair of binoculars and be able to look all the way across the courtyard and 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 like pick up information mm. that way. It just it left me feeling a little uncomfortable about that portrayal. And in a portrayal that I thought overall had a lot going for it, that just, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Hmm. Am That's I being yeah, well, can I, I too wonder... sensitive? No, no, I think, no, because I think that's one of the things that, that um, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you mention it, um, that sort of falls into... Um, the idea in disability studies of the super crip. Yeah. The idea that yeah. that sort of of 
having the disability and overcoming the disability sort of makes them stronger in some way. And so I right. think in in um, in a way, I think that that's uh, I hadn't thought about that, but that that is kind of a, a problematic aspect of um, of his character that it does kind of turn into kind of this this um, uh, super ability that that you know not only does he does he overcome it but overcomes it in such a way to exceeded i guess he's like um, he's like daredevil right like he 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 catches people yeah. who are behind him in the uh at the uh, funeral home yeah because it's, it's yeah. like he has this kind of like enhanced senses or whatever I, mm. so like i thought there was a lot that was good about it but there were moments that yeah yeah, yeah that i that well i think that's the other because the, the other thing me. that you see a lot there that i should i'm seeing a lot in the disability stuff that i'm reading um is where it's uh, Mitchell and Snyder sort of talk about how disability has been traditionally used in media, particularly visual media, and they talk about their notion of the the narrative prosthesis, which is that yeah. disability is a narrative prosthesis in the sense that it's used either as mm. a defining character trait, particularly in terms of villainy. If you think that that you know villains particularly. Right. Um, in the past, have always been sort of you know they're evil because they're in some ways disabled or deformed or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes, and then other than that, it becomes a metaphor or symbol, and thus ignores the realities um, that people with a disability face. Sounds like and I so came it's, up it's with more a... about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was saying, so it, so in, in a sense that the narratives rely on disability as a metaphor or as a representation rather than as a reality. Yeah. So I feel like I, I really hit it out of the park with that one then. Well, but I think in other ways, the, sh- the episode tries to do the exact opposite of that in that, you know, it, tra- it tells the story largely from Theo's point of view. And then uh, it well, tries, I think, it was a to give us a. I think I think it's it's mixed in what it does. Yeah, oh, um, and that kind of was where I started. I think there's a lot that's that's well done yeah. in it, but that that one aspect just it left me feeling a little cold. Yeah, which of course raises the most important question. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. how much better did Hawkeye do with representing deafness? Than, than only murders in the building. I have to say, it did marginally better. Oh, it did massively better, I would say. Well, of course you would. clearly cleaning their, cleaning their dishes in the background. Oh, Vicky might be cleaning dishes in the background there. <laughs> she apologizes, but we're, we are making Just dinner. Not. Well, making dinner, we yeah. are. Not exactly we, but... Yeah. Um, you know, that's One just... One of you two is doing a great deal more. Right now, yes, but soon I shall be off the couch, and uh, mm. it smells like we're having General So's tofu, which is going to be really quite Ooh. good. So that sounds good. Ooh. Oh yeah, Maybe Vicky General Sos would like to sponsor the podcast. I I don't know if there is an actual General So, but um, perhaps. Uh, oh, is he perhaps like the, he, is he like the Colonel? Well, uh, the uh, well, yeah, I I think he's more like the Colonel. Yeah. Okay. But it is smelling good. So yeah, good so I here. thought I thought uh, to 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 circle back to only murders in the building. Oh, was that uh, what we were talking about? Yeah, I thought we were. I, I I thought you know I give it credit for what it tried to do. I think the other thing is that you ultimately have, you know, the deaf character ends up being, you know, one of the villains of the piece, which again right. kind of of, you know, not that his deafness is his villainy, but he still ends up being kind of a a villain. Yeah. Um, or or a criminal in the in the series, and so it doesn't quite get away from some of those those other um, tropes, right? That Mitchell but man, and that puts you in an about. impossible so, position where like the deaf person can never be the villain. It's just, we live in a complicated creative world, man. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, not to go back to the point, but you know, Echo was certainly an antagonist in the series, right? Um, but I don't think we, you know, the show didn't reduce her to 
villain. You know, she was an antagonist and, and, and right. maybe by the end sort of moving into more of a protagonist. Well, see, right, uh, because she's going to be redeemed if you're, like, complaining about shows that are functioning in part to set up what comes next, right? Like, that redemption arc is very mm-hmm. important as it launches Echo into her own series. Yeah. So yeah, so that was that was something that I talked about, and then and yeah. the other thing that I I sort of noticed about the show or found interesting was kind of the way, and maybe this was a little bit earlier on, but the way in which it very much um, spoke to a kind of isolation mm-hmm. and solitude that all of the characters suffer from, and kind of a a yeah. a modern condition of of isolation and and even kind of alienation. Um. That's you know, a nice that point. Seemed, yeah, you know, kind of fairly. I think, yeah, particularly all all three of the main characters, um, suffering from it. You know, Martin Short's character suffering from it because of his own more of his own making than maybe the other two. Right. Um. But yeah, it would kind of the the way in which, and, and again, something that maybe I think speaks also speaks to how the show is is tapping into the present moment, in that there's a you know a lot of people feeling sort of yeah. isolated and don't in, we all, in solitude. Don't we all feel disconnected days. right now? You know what fixes problems like that, though? Podcasts like this that bring people together. Ah, yes. A community of mashers. Mm-hmm. I feel like mashers yes, must have Mashing some kind of colloquial meaning, though, that we probably should be aware of. We should look into that, but for now, I think it's safe to use it. <laughs> for but now, you, everyone so be that's a masher. How, that's how you think it works. Well, if I Google it, I get a masher's recipe from Alton Brown. That doesn't seem so bad. There you go. Anything, Apparently a, there are nice little superhero time. toys called superhero mashers. Okay, we just don't have to say superhero. There yeah, are potato yeah. mashers. There's yeah, only one thing sense. we really have to do is check the Urban Dictionary real quick. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah let's, not, let's not do that on, on air. Oh, boy. No, it has to do with yeah, inappropriate do, uh, sexual attention. Yeah, let's not. Let's. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. Uh, uh, so let's see. Uh, did you have means, any other fair? You said you had other fair or foul. I'm curious to see if they uh, duplicate any of of mine. Uh, just, I'm going to say, an Urban Dictionary. It's a man who attempts to force his unwelcome attentions on a woman. Okay. So I feel like well, if we go with mashers, we're really going with a fairly misogynistic yeah. okay. name. How yeah, about the? We should probably go with something else then. How about the emus? Because we are E M M U. No, no, we're not. Gonna, no, that's terrible. And I'm pretty sure the school owns that. Yeah. Well, that's they only cool. use one M though, right? Don't they? Yeah, they're not a. They're not a flightless bird. Well, but then it's not emu. It's more we're emu. I'm mm. emu. Whatever. Yeah. Nah, that doesn't work either. Well, could we do a play on emo? Hmm. What would the Maybe. play be? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It would be emu. Yeah, it would be, <laughs> we would need a play. It would be emu again. Yeah, that doesn't really. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I've got one less fair or foul for you. Because okay. a couple of them that Who's I have, from? we've already covered. It's from IGN. Oh, I don't think I looked at that one. Oh, excellent. Quote, only murders is a gem of a show that can be both serious and playful. It can draw you in with warmth while also pushing you out a little bit with self-referential silliness. Mm, I'd say 50% fair. What's the fair part? Well, in that it's playful, but not the other thing they said about it before leading up to playful. Serious? Uh, yeah, I, yeah there, I mean, I didn't, I mean... It, it did tackle some serious issues, but I don't know that it really felt like uh, all that serious a, a show. No, like this, it you know. tried to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then what was the other? The second thing was it said something you about in being with pushed warmth. out of the show. Yeah, it pulls you in with yeah. warmth but pushes you out with self-referential silliness. Now, see, I, I, don't, I don't know how much self-referential stuff there was. It was definitely a very – I think warm is a nice way to describe the show. There's, there's yeah. a warmth to it. Um, and, you know, we've been you know, pretty like, critical of the show, but I loved its warmth. And I think there there was a power been, in it. We have which is shocking, considering that it currently has a 100% with critics 
and 93% with audiences on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. I think our, our our fans would say that we're probably a little more discerning than most of the Rotten Tomatoes folks. Mm. Apparently, even even their even all of their top critics have certified it as fresh. Ooh, now you're looking at the top critics. Yes. Nice. I taught you something. Yes, I figured out how to do that now. Now that uh, you mentioned that that was possible, so. <laughs> well, that's all I've got for only murders in the building. You got anything else? Yep, that's all I've got. I've I've circled back to fun facts, so that's a good day for me. It is. I I feel like we well, landed as long it as on you had a good day. Yep. So you will had... you be watching second season of Only Murders in the Building? Oh, I think I'll watch it for sure. How about you? Yeah, I'll probably watch it. Um, I don't know that it will be like gotta watch it the day it comes out type um, right. viewing for me but you know it was an enjoy it was an enjoyable little show I'll, it I'll was, watch it, it was, again it was a romp is what it was yeah nothing wrong with a romp and then, we all just use couldn't we all use a bit of a romp these days 